Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast, hosted by David James Keaton and J. David Osborne. Anybody can watch a good movie, but to watch an almost good movie, well, it takes a professional. Two professionals. Uh, I think I think as we start here, so I just I just hit the record button. Uh, oh, yeah, I gotta do that again. Do it, do it, run it back, man. Run that shit back. How does that song? Banished again on Facebook. Did you see me get banished again on Facebook? Dave's a pariah on Facebook. Should not post about Panthers. Should not post about Panthers. <laughs> Always stick with the white stuff. Never go to the black stuff. The revolution starts at Marvel. The revolution will be televised. Oh, shit. Oh, movies so that look like TV. Movies that look like TV. That's all I got. That's as far as I wrote that song. I'm used to being banished on Facebook, dude. I I only feel comfortable as a Facebook pariah. Yeah. I was thinking like, you know how you get uh, Throwback Thursday on Facebook and it'll, it'll show you like moments that you shared with other people? Uh-huh. My Throwback Thursday that popped up the other day was my first mass unfriending. Oh, nice. when people When people ran like fucking rats from a sinking ship because – Everybody had been posting about being nominated for the Pushcart Prize. Mm-hmm. And I said... Uh, that most prestigious <laughs> of awards. <laughs> exactly. So I said, I thought it was just gentle n- nudging. I said, hey, everybody, I got nominated for the Push Cunt Prize. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, I've grown up a lot since the Push Cunt Prize joke. Yeah. yeah. But but I think like 50 people just said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first my first mass Facebook unfriending was when <laughs> I posted something to the effect of uh, I was making fun of like you know those really rough and tumble Southern crime books um, and I think came in and was like you're a pussy or something like that because I didn't because I was just saying like hey the point that I was trying to make was that like oh the violence was cartoonish right and he's like oh sounds like you're clutching your pearls and I was like no not really and you know writer that i respect blah 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 well that i did respect i don't respect him anymore but um like once that's the thing yeah if i got unfriended by john irving i wouldn't respect him anymore <laughs> exactly and it's one of those things where people saw that and it's the it's this writer mindset dude it's this careerist uh you know oh shit i wonder how this is going to affect me kind of thing and i think that they saw like Lots, lots of clout within the writing industry, lots of, and then they looked at me and it's like a 24 year old idiot who posts about eating mushrooms all the time. And the choice was simple. The choice was made very quickly. Well, and, they're, 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 they're right to do it. I mean, I'm sure their careers are, went great. <laughs> I'm sure that they, by liking the correct thing and always being on the right side, I'm sure that they're very famous writers now. I, I'm you were a you were collateral damage to their career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something that uh, has been happening more and more often. I've realized, and I don't know how much of it is Facebook throttling, but um, I guess it should just go back to human nature. And when I post something to the effect of, "Hey, you guys can do it. You guys can all be writers," I get like 150 likes. 
And then if I post something to the effect of, oh, I don't know, didn't really care for Black Panther that much, it's like No, yeah, and I just, I was like, anybody else? Anybody else, like, didn't really like that movie that much? I mean, I... I'm not a big comic book movie guy in general, so I might be the wrong person to speak on this. But I'm uh, mouthy and uh, obnoxious, so I'm 100% the right person to speak on. Well, that's, that's the, the thing. Not, not, not on black people's reaction to Black Panther. That's none of my fucking business. But I will 100% rip into my fellow whites. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's ruling. I think they're, I think they're fair game. I agree that they're fair game. Like we're gonna talk. We'll talk Black Panther next, next episode. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm just stuck in this loop now. Where I, what if the twist of the century would be if I love Black Panther? Yeah. I, I will never admit it because you're fucking telling me I have to. I'll never admit it. I've got three people on my feed right now saying, "Hmm, I think that there's an inherent racism to anybody who doesn't like Black Panther." It's like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? And yeah. luckily, those are those are white people saying that, mm-hmm. so I can I can respond to that. So as long as you're white, or as long as you, I'm not going to say. And that it's funny. It's funny how the tables have turned as well because I spent years on Facebook uh, scolding and chastising people for not liking certain rap music based on the fact that they are kind of racist. Because anytime you you can not like the music, but the reasons that people would give for like, you know, not liking Kanye West or whatever I happen to be listening to at the moment, it would be all these reasons like they're just so arrogant and they're just so flashy. <laughs> they're just, oh, which is like, it's code. Like they're saying they're too uppity. Right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. And, I love, I do. I enjoy your Kanye West post quite a bit. Yeah. Now, I didn't think I liked Kanye West until you started to post about him and then stir that fucking pot. And you'd be like, huh. Kanye West is pretty cool. And then these fucking dudes would swoop in and just tell you like, oh, fuck him. He doesn't read books. Right. And it's it was just such an easy, easy bait that you did by serving that up that I, I, I very much enjoyed it. So what we're kind of saying here is that we have the incredible ability to be on the wrong side of every argument ever. And we will get absolutely nowhere with our careers because (laughs) I don't think it. I don't think think that it's. I don't think it comes down to. to I hope career isn't scare quotes there because I've never pretended that I even had. I'm here to offer my opinions about movies, and I I will dare anyone to have a a more interesting opinion about a movie. Now, as far as a writing career, I I got nothing there. I got nothing to say about that. Me neither. But it's one of those things, too, where, yeah, no, I think that that's something that has always kind of separated me from the Facebook pack and has sort of irritated me is that, I mean, of course, I would like to succeed and be able to just write books and have a bunch of people read them and stuff. But I can't bring myself to amend my opinions on, on things. And I don't think it comes down to contrarianism either, because there are many times where I fall pretty well, squarely luck- in line with with the opinion but it's well dude that's the thing i mean luckily it doesn't fucking matter luckily it means nothing like two white guys hashing out their opinions on black panther is the least essential thing you'll listen to this year yes so but so maybe it one of the, maybe one of the funniest maybe it, it is well this is the thing i i'm i'm gonna surprise you i've got all sorts of surprises in store for you today i transcribe my, like, my man's fucking carrot top over here I, with his I, bag I, of props I, I, well, my the first prop I'm going to bust out is when you called me drunk the other night after you'd seen Black Panther, mm-hmm. I attempted to transcribe what you were saying. Oh, good. 
And I only have a few keywords. Uh-huh. And I, before we move on from Black Panther, I would love to just give you back your transcript of what I heard the night that you went to see it. Okay, We're not going to talk about it. I think we should save that conversation for a later podcast. Okay. But until then, here's a teaser. This is, again, this is Dave Osborne calling me and talking about Black Panther. I have just all caps. I have, so you have this movie. (laughs) That was the first thing that I got out of it. You have this movie. I also have, uh, here's what happens. (laughs) That came up a lot, which I assume leads to some like really important revelation about what happens. Mm -hmm. The, The thing about Black Panther, you said that at least three times. Okay. I've got that caps. This one, I have all caps, but I also have a little uh, thing above it, like um, to the third power. So you must have really been saying this one. Baseline. What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. You'd I have, have no idea, look. man. Uh, cool lines and colors, but flat, glossy, panderific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it should have been called the Black Pander. Black, Black Pander. I have mm-hmm. Black Pander. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who, who said that first, but I'll give it to you. I, you no, said I think Black, it was you. I think it was you. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You have, uh, I saw the fourth indie movie, I Had Hope, all caps. Wait, you what? Had hope. You saw the fourth indie movie, You Had Hopes. Now, I don't think you're talking indie films. I think you're talking Indiana Jones. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, I compared how I felt at the end of Black Panther to how I felt at the end of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That is absolutely true. And I feel like it's a valid point. And this is where you turn it around, though. Mm -hmm. You said, they do fight twice. They do fight twice, you said. And if you remember our other podcast, it's essential the characters fight twice. Yeah. I think that's a point in their corner. Now, this is my favorite part. I must have asked you what his powers were, mm-hmm. and you said, fuck it, no suits, no super, dot, dot, dot. It's fucking leaves, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I don't know what you were, you were getting at there, but I think you liked, I like that I'm an infant, I need a face to connect with. Oh, I think I said that, that I wanted them to take their their helmets off. Right. But you were really into the leaves and the dreams, the leaves, leaves right. and dreams, Thumbs up, I think, is what is was your final uh, yeah. assessment. Yeah, I give, leaves the and dreams. And, I give the leaves and dreams thumbs up. Well, I think that <laughs> makes a good teaser for next time, and I'll make yes. sure to get just as drunk for that one so that I can I can kind of recreate that experience because I can really only – I got to take the filter off. You know what I mean? And yeah, and that's – I mean that's why when I – you know, I have a beer right here. I, I do that when I get on pretty much any podcast because it makes for good, uh, good radio. And – it's it's one of those things where you you suddenly realize that you can kind of say anything and there's pretty much no consequence for it. You know what I mean? You 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 think that there might be a consequence because Facebook will get mad at you or you know people will unfriend you, but that's not that's not really a consequence. Um, so yeah. yeah, I just I figure fuck it. You know, we'll we'll, 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 we'll do we'll, that. We'll go in on we'll, go we'll on flesh out there after everybody has has calmed their. Uh, Tribal, yeah, I think tribal bloodlust down a bit. Exactly. I think also we should, um, I, for the sake of spoilers, I want to spoil the shit out of it. So we'll wait. Uh, we'll wait one more podcast to, to spoil the shit out of it, and we'll flesh out. We'll flesh out your transcript. I think that'll be a fun place to start. That would be good. So what but, are we talking uh, about today? Well, I'm thinking. Uh, I think we got to keep on the Oscar train. I think that the Oscars are on everybody's mind. It's a very rare opportunity that we have this shared text that everyone's watching the same half dozen movies. 
So I think we got to keep doing it. Um, so have you seen three billboards yet? No. Is it good? Um, I think it's worth seeing. Now I've, uh, now I'm gonna let you know I haven't I seen mean, very I've, many I've, of these. I've, let's 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 just let's just go with it, man. Like just I've, well, I let's just like, fucking do it. All right, let's yeah, do it. I feel, it. Like, we'll I feel talk like, like you'd have interesting things to say about it, and then I'll respond having not seen it, which I'm sure that uh, fans of movie podcasts will well, just fucking love. But yeah, well, I think I should back up a little bit because I I really felt bad about our last conversation when I was talking about Mudbound not being Oscar worthy because of it is being filmed on digital video, mm. and I felt like I was coming across as like a real snob, like. Does something have to be? Does something have to be on the the beautiful P.T. Anderson or Tarantino seventy millimeter? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 I I had a revelation that it's going to sound more like a rationalization and a way to weasel out of sounding like a snob, which is I think that there is that um, I think there's the porridge that's just right. I think we were talking about this the other day that I think if there's some sort of ambition uh, that's I think it can be very visible like on an iPhone. And I think that's why I love Tangerine so much. I think Tangerine would have been an Oscar worthy movie, even though it was filmed exclusively on somebody's fucking iPhone. And, mm-hmm. you know, would, how could you compare that to 70 millimeter? Right. But I think it is comparable because it's got that hunger to it. Mm-hmm. It's hunger. I think that somebody who makes a 70, mil, a 70 millimeter movie is, has that same hunger as somebody that makes a fucking movie on their iPhone but I think that somebody who shoots down the middle and makes a digital movie that resembles as much as it can a, a blockbuster, I think that's when I say the porridge that's just right, it's actually it's the porridge that's just wrong. That is what I'm a snob about. I'm a snob about anything that runs down the middle. So that's why Bellflower is like our fucking spirit animal. Bellflower Corner. Here, all right. It's, it's, it's it is the our almost good Bellflower Corner. It is our spirit animal because they made a fucking camera out of near as I can tell. I'm no I'm no scientist, but it looks like it's made out of uh, bellows and a handful of D batteries and uh, some fucking Kinder eggs and a fucking uh, a a fucking uh, mannequin hand. And they fucking made a beautiful movie because that is that that's that fucking hunger. Right. That movie looks as beautiful as like the hateful eight or the fucking uh, phantom thread. Mm -hmm. It looks as beautiful as something like in 70 millimeter because that hunger is apparent. And um, that's why when I, when I saw Mudbound and people were saying, Oh, best cinematography nomination for the Oscars. I'm thinking that looks like the, that looks like a fucking flat Netflix thing. That's not the same. That's not, how does anybody mistake that for a movie? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think if it sounds like rationalization, I just wanted to get that out there. I didn't want to, I don't want to be a, um, film snob as in film film snob but i think there is something to be said for for um both ends of the spectrum the middle of the spectrum i just got i i that's where i get that's where i get nasty the middle of the spectrum so it kind of like it kind of goes back a little bit to how i feel particularly about writing and it's i i genuinely like really uh bad but hungry writing you know if you if you get some of these uh um um how do i put this some of the less good uh, 99 cent Kindle specials, there's some fucking gold in there because you can tell that the person just really wants to write books. And I also like the really polished, glossy, you know, um, literary type writing. But what I can't stand is, like you said, that down the middle. Yeah. Every, right, right. The plot is the same. The prose is functional. 
and it gets you from point A to point B, but it, there's really nothing substantial there. So I feel like you can wrestle with something that is uh, bad, or you can wrestle with something that is low budget but really good, and you can also just kind of bask in the sort of quote-unquote perfection of, of really high-gloss stuff, but it's that it's that middle ground where you you know it's your life and it's going to end one day and you only have so much time and are you really going to spend two and a half hours just being kind of sort of entertained by this shoot down the middle bullshit right now that's a great point i hadn't thought of equating it to writing but it sounds like it can map onto that pretty well i mean um but yeah you want to talk three billboards i we could probably talk have you seen dunkirk uh no i don't think you need to um but so I don't know if we want to waste too much time on Dunkirk later. So maybe I'll just get that out of off my chest. I I think Dunk, Dunkirk is one of those things that is filmed in that beautiful widescreen on as you know, it's on film. And then even there's IMAX versions or something. I don't know if there's an IMAX moment. You know, Nolan's all about that. Those big movies. Right. Right. And it isn't very compelling. I don't know if you've heard people talk about their lukewarm reaction to Dunkirk. It's. I can't say that it's essential cinema, but like a half hour in, I do, I did finally realize what he was doing mm. and, and I'm very impressed by his ambition. Like if you, if you haven't heard about it, he has, this is a movie that that's made with essentially the main character is war. So you have an equal amount of time spent on about four or five people with very little dialogue and they're made to look exactly like each other or in the, in the, um, the case of Tom Hardy, who would be the only distinctive looking actor in the movie. He's got a fucking uh, mask on the whole time. So oh, you don't even man. get, you don't even get to indulge in the Tom Hardiness. You know what I mean? Although um, my wife did recognize his beautiful eyes mm. pretty early on. I didn't think it was him. Cause I didn't, I didn't know much about it going into it. And so they've made them, they've purpose. Nolan has made them so anonymous that they have that the movie's not about them. So you have no backstory on these guys. You have zero characterization. You have very little dialogue. You only have four or five minute-to-minute situations that make it um, – that show them dealing with their situations in real time, essentially, and it cuts back and forth. Although it, there is some time fuckery that they do to make it a little more dramatic. Um, and I'm Can impressed. we get rid of that trope, by the way? Like, I feel well, like I know, that, Tarant- that came in. It yeah, came yeah. in with Tarantino, and they took it to Memento, and now everybody wants to. Oh, we're gonna flash forward and see. Right. Oh, he's the main character, but he's covered in blood. Give, <laughs> fucking give me. I don't. I literally. I don't know. care. I think I we're. I I used to love that thing, but until they started doing it, like on uh, Walking Dead, they would start a episode off, and they would show, like you said, somebody's covered in blood, and something horrible has happened, and then it would be like. Three days earlier, I'm like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get there and it's like he's covered in blood because a zombie like exploded next to him. Right. I mean, Tarantino did it in an interesting way. Also, can but... I talk about the Bane, the, the, the Tom Hardy mask thing, how he has to have a mask all the time? I was in the gym yesterday and uh, there was this dude there who had one of those Bane masks on, one of those like oxygen deprivation. I don't know what exactly it does, but it goes around your whole face like a fighter pilot's mask essentially right. and this guy was in there and he was just fucking beast in it like he was he was going <laughs> and it was coming out like all garbled like bane it was like murr, murr, murr. he was clanging weights the motherfucker didn't fucking spray down anything that he used he just like he was just walking around daring people to to say something <laughs> to him 
And I was like, so I, like, or, I ordered then, one of those Bane masks, basically. I, I will break you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a Bane mask and like a 25-pound weight vest and go into the Planet Fitness as Bane. <laughs> I'd be afraid that I would die. I, I'm already, I st- I'm stressed out enough exercise. And if I was to reduce my intake of oxygen, is that what he's doing? Is like making his so. lungs stronger? That's scary shit, dude. I guess. That's... I don't know. I think I thought it was a. Uh, it looked kind of cool, but he was just he. <laughs> he had a disturbed tattoo on his arm. He had like the crazy disturbed logo with the with a wild, with, like the big smile thing. And those are the guys that you really have to watch out for. People who fully they go a hundred percent into the truck nuts NRA <laughs> disturbed oh, no. tribal it's tattoo time... type thing. Like, have, those are the guys I... who will fucking kill you. Confession: I've got two disturbed CDs, but me too. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did you get the special edition where it had like the logo was in metal on the front? No, I got the I got it when it first came out because I was whole hog into it. I'd heard. Oh, dude. Uh, it wasn't even down with this sickness. It was Stupefy, their very first sig- single. Oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. I and mean, it was had that video with the uh, Jacob's Ladder shaky head on it. And I, oh, totally, uh, dude, I was all about it. It's like uh, when, like with Guns and Roses, um, I thought that the new Alice in Chains song was Guns and Roses, Man in a Box, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh man, Guns and Roses taking some chances. That's kind of what Disturbed is like. Oh, Corn, Corn right. taking some chances. <laughs> I was I was getting sick of corn, but now I'm back into them, and that's how they totally tricked me. What I dis- like about Disturbed is that my man had a goatee made out of metal. This shit was so tight. He had the two snake bites, but he made them come down like like a fucking goatee. And he was a personal trainer in L.A. That's what I love about all these new metal bands is that they're all from Los Angeles, and when you trace them back, they all have extremely L.A. jobs, like they're personal trainers or you know fucking extras in movies or something like that and it's just they all got together and the sound hit la like right then like system of a down and incubus and corn well corn was bakersfield but you know the same general vicinity and they were just like we can do this because we're all jacked so let's let's go right what our that's why our guitars sound like this our strings are so loose (laughs) we we hit our guitar so hard yeah but but anyway, to, to sum up my point on Dunkirk, I was just going to say that all that stuff sounds really interesting, but it makes for a very not compelling movie. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hate to admit it, but I guess I need some really, some really simple characterization. I need, I need the, I, I guess I need the. I need that shit that I thought I didn't need. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm saying that I got done watching Dunkirk and it wasn't, I wasn't that into it. I appreciated it as an experiment in no characters, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I couldn't attach to them. So I don't know if you want to bother watching it to fulfill our Oscar checklist. Um, it totally deserves, uh, it deserves merit ahead of some of these other ones. I've made a, I've made a list. I don't know if you want to hear my list of Oscar um, in order of which ones I think should get best picture. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Let's do it. Oscar picks, bro. Okay. My Oscar picks, are, are they're a little wacky. So um, I think I'm going to I'm gonna include at least one or two snubs. I think I, Tanya, was snubbed. I think I, Tanya, should be best picture. And I'm not saying it's the best movie of the year, but it's the best – picture movie of the year i think it's the best oscar movie of the year Mm -hmm. i would put that equal to phantom thread i think phantom thread is best picture i think there's nothing um there's nothing better than phantom thread that was in theaters i think that um 
even though I almost got in a fight in the parking lot before I went to see this movie about a fussy dressmaker <laughs> uh, that might have tainted my idea of that movie a bit. Um, I think it's the best movie. I think that uh, P.T. Anderson is doing things that these other people aren't doing. Um, so below that, I would put three billboards. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about three billboards right now or do you want me to finish the list out? If, go yeah, We can finish the list. I'm Under, interested. Under three billboards, the most engaging moment of the year, I think, is when um, – I don't know if you saw the movie uh, A Ghost Story. No. Was, ghost is, is, that, is that nominated? No. Oh. Um, this is, but there's a moment in that that's better than every other movie I'm going to list on this list. There's a, mo- there's a moment in it when this woman's husband who's been killed eats a apple pie yeah. in, one, in one take. It, I found it very effective. Dude, I love that shit. That's my favorite shit ever. I love that, like Dude, the sweep, I, the sweeping up the peanuts. And exactly. Fucking Twin Peaks. I, I thought of you when I was watching. I thought, is she gonna eat this whole fucking pie? And then I'm like, I gotta get you on the fucking red phone right now. You need to watch this moment. <laughs> She's R- Rooney Mara, I think is her name. She comfort eats this entire fucking pie. And what would happen in real life if you ate an entire apple pie? I would probably shit my pants. Well, she she may have done that, but we didn't get to see that. We do get to see her throw up, though. It's all in real time. No and way. It's does, all does in she real really time. Do it? Yes. Whoa, yes. that's epic. That is better than the rest of the movies on the list. That's fu- see, that's fuck. That's movies right there. That's movie. That's yeah. the power of movies. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. yeah if, the, anyway. if the if the Black Panther had eaten like a whole bunch of those leaves, <laughs> and then he had to fucking barf them up before he went into the final battle. I would have been it, it would have been at least one more star rating. Do we and, still do star rate? Do people even do star ratings anymore? You have to establish how many stars it's out of. Uh, ours would have to be out of fifty-seven stars, so it would, it would confuse people. <laughs> it would it would really confuse people. Yeah, I yeah. would give Rooney Mara comfort eating an entire pie in one take and ghost story. I would give that forty-two stars. Wow, so it's great, but it's <laughs> it's still not fifty-seven. What would you give fifty-seven stars? Uh, to Bellflower, <laughs> <laughs> to the weird camera in Bellflower. Yeah. Um, Bellflower again. A uh, uh, any chance to bring it up, but he pukes in Bellflower, and it's clear that um, that he's actually throwing up. Yeah. I mean, when people don't really throw up, it takes me out of the movie. Right. So, so there's only yeah, when they couple... do that thing, they do that thing where the camera cuts to them, and you can see their cheeks full of it, like they're yeah, a chipmunk, they and gotta, then they. And it's all thick and stupid. And now the era of CGI is going to ruin that forever. We're going to get a bunch of fake puke, CGI puke. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a golden age of real puke. Well, <laughs> so that would and it'll consist of Bellflower, uh, a ghost story, and Super Troopers, which has the most real puking I've seen in a movie. I think. <laughs> well, it's so, almost like when uh, when Gaspar Noe made that movie Love. I don't know if you saw that. And uh, there's like it was made in 3D. And there's a scene where the dude, like, nuts. Oh. And the fucking nut comes out of the screen. It's CGI nut. And it's just like, man, I remember the days when you would see the real nut coming up. Exactly. exactly. That's going to ruin porn, too. I mean, CGI. Oh, sure, for sure. Yeah. But we, that's a little good down that rabbit hole. So the rest of my list is uh, then I would put Call Me By Your Name after that, cause, mostly because the dude jerks off into a peach. Yeah. And uh, Dunkirk, I would put below Call Me By Your Name. Below that, I would put um, – I was going to put Lady Bird, but uh, – That's a lot of people's favorite this year. 
it's it's okay. It's um, but I couldn't I couldn't really get past the fact that Laurie Metcalf's monologue in Horace and Pete is better than all of Lady Bird. And Oof. but that monologue is amazing. Mm-hmm. And Ho- I know Horace and Pete is one of those things you do not speak of since yeah. Louis C.K.'s banishment. But that monologue in that movie is the best acting she's done and the best acting of the year. In that monologue, and I, I was promised in Lady Bird this um, this r- difficult relationship between the mother and the daughter. I don't think I got it. I thought I saw a very reasonable relationship that wasn't very remarkable, mm-hmm. and I just kept wanting that other Laurie Metcalf. But anyway, um, we'll come back to Lady Bird. Then I would put below that Get Out. Uh, I think Lady Bird. I would almost put Lady Bird equal to Get Out. But Get Out had no characters in it. I mean, I guess it was it's a genre piece, so characterization is going to get you know fucking skimped. But I, if somebody was to say, "What? Tell me about that guy." I you know, if there's no characterization, even though Dunkirk, which arguably has zero characterization, mm-hmm. is above Get Out. That's my struggle with Lady Bird and Get Out. I guess I was more into Lady Bird because I got attached to those characters than I was with the life and death plight of the dude from Get Out. How about this? If if somebody hired me to ever do movie reviews, I'd have a lot of fun with my titles. And for Dunkirk, check this one out. Okay. Not a whole lot of fun, Kirk. <laughs> well, that which leads us to your most hated movie of the year. Oh, boy. The, sh- the Shape of Water. The Shape of Dog Shit. <laughs> That is a that is a beautiful beautiful piece of shit. That movie is that's it's as dumb as a fucking Disney movie, but it looks so beautiful. But we'll come back to that because I want to talk about three billboards. But at the, and then at the very bottom of the list, I have Darkest Hour and the Post because it's Oscar bait and who gives a shit about those movies? Yeah, fuck those movies. Fuck those two. But three billboards, dude. You haven't seen it, but um, I don't know. Oh, fuck. I just I wish that we were just the same person so we could. We could talk about the exact same things at the exact same time. But can I tell you about – I think that we should have a moment on all these podcasts where I talk about annoying theater reactions. Totally. And you, you have some to share as well, I'm sure. I do because I, I went to go see Black Panther. Yes. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I don't know which one you want to do first. I can tell you that in uh, Three Billboards, I almost got another fight. So <laughs> – um, and my mother, my mother was with me. So you know that I would have won that fight. I'm not going to lose a fight in front of my mom. No, you'd have to commit seppuku. <laughs> but the fucking, there was, it was annoying from top to bottom. I went there with, um, with my mom and Amy and, uh, there was a woman in the back who they, in the movie three billboards, they play the song the night they drove old Dixie down mm-hmm. and, and she was loving it, dude. She's slapping her leg. And like singing in the in the theater, she's slapping her leg and singing along with the song "The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down." The whole fucking song, and it's one of those things where maybe I would be excited along with her if I wasn't in a theater. And like people don't even understand where they are anymore, dude. That actually that this might seem completely unrelated, but it reminds me of the most embarrassing theater reaction I've ever seen. It was <laughs> when I went to go see Pirates of the Caribbean Part Two. And, of course, everybody dressed up for it. They're all pirates and what have you. When the movie begins, 
and that theme song kicks in, these three people, about two rows in front of me, who are all dressed up as pirates, unsheathed their plastic swords and saluted the screen. (laughs) And that's when I knew that we had crossed a Rubicon. (laughs) That's when I knew that the the only way out of the simulation was to put your head under a car. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, people get so into it. And it's, it, you know, there's an argument to be made. Oh, don't, don't shit on people's, uh, you know, entertainment, which is a big thing with, uh, I just keep going black back to black Panther. So I'll try not to, but, um, but one of those things, I will, I will absolutely shit on your pleasure if, I feel so inclined because that's my right. That's my right as an American, dude. Especially you've all you've all like signed this contract, this this un this this invisible contract that you're going to sit and watch this movie together, and you're going to shut the fuck up, and you're going to yeah. we're going to watch it together. Maybe we'll talk about it in the parking lot afterwards. Maybe we'll talk about it in the parking lot before when you threaten to kick my ass. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do, but when we're in that, it's like Highlander when they're in the church and they won't sword fight in the church. Right. They're like. It's it, this is holy ground, Highlander. We do not fight here. <laughs> that's that's the rule in the theater. You shut the fuck up. You do what you want outside of it. Can we just shut the fuck up and watch the movie? Right. They can't do it. We're past. I think we've we've gone past the line where they can do it anymore. I don't think so. And you know, I did see go black. I, I did go to see Black Panther at the Alamo Draft House, which has a very strict no talking policy. They say if you talk, you get kicked out. Well, let right? me tell you. The audience that I saw that with really put that to the test. <laughs> Dude, do you want to be do you want to be the fucking beardo who goes to try to shut down a Black Panther crowd? Absolutely not. And the thing is, is that it didn't bother me because one, the movie is not that good. So I really, well, at that point, I have more fun having fun with the audience than I do sure. actually watching the movie. You know, when something would happen in the movie and everybody would be like, oh. Oh shit! Yeah, that's like, a, that's, that's yeah. Way more I enjoy fun. that, dude. That's, that's way a different. More fun. That's way yeah, more and that's fun a different that sort of interaction. That's an interaction where somebody is aware of the contract and they're like, "Aren't we enjoying this together?" You know, like, yeah. "Fuck, yeah. did you see what I just saw?" That's a different sort of yeah. breaching of that contract. Oh no, I had a see, and that's that's the thing about my Black Panther movie going experience is that I actually had a lot of fun watching the movie. But it wasn't a good movie. But that I, I'll, I'll stop with that. But there was a guy next to me at Black Panther with there with his date, and she ordered a milkshake, and he was like, "You got that milkshake?" And she was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and this is during the movie. He's like, "Does your milkshake bring all the boys to the yard?" And she was like, "Stop oh, no. it! You're so crazy!" And he was oh, like, "No." And he was like, "Oh, because oh, no. it's a milkshake. Milkshake oh, brings no. all the boys to the." And she was like, "Stop it! You are crazy!" And I'm ninety percent <laughs> sure that they fucked later. Ninety percent sure. Oh yeah, that's when you pull a pin on a grenade right there. <laughs> I'm so I'm so in love with the idea. That and I'm one of the first ones to be like, shut the fuck up in a movie. But the fact that the Alamo Draft House never planned on having a rowdy Black Panther screening, and there's just nothing they can do about it. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Nothing. What what is what is Mr. You know, they pass around that video of of people like uh, getting kicked out of. uh, It's like a people pass it around like, yeah, fucking toss them out. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Good luck tossing out the black panther audience yeah and i, and I love that they, i love that they had to consider it and yeah. that, that, that the well, whole they also have a really strict no showing up late policy so 
the group that I went with, it was a bunch of friends and we, we had bought tickets for, uh, like two, almost two entire rows. And there was some kind of snafu where one of the seats that we bought was in a row way in the back. And I'm not sure how it happened, but basically one of our group was sitting in a seat that was not assigned to them. Right. Right. And we were like, okay, well, if these people, it was a sold out show. So we knew that the seats belonged to somebody. Um, and we say, okay, well, if they show up, then they'll move. But until then, just stay there. It's cool. Um, and so the movie started. The little notice came on, like, if you show up late, you will not be allowed in. So so my, my buddy turns and says, oh, hey, I guess they're not here. I guess we're in the clear. And I turn to him, and I'm like, oh, they'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> and then 15 oh, minutes into the movie, sure enough, there they were. And, you know, so it's just, you know, but it's fun, like, it's, it's, I actually, I wish that I could see every movie with a black audience. Um, I wish that more movies would have like in El Paso, that's not really going to happen, but right, it right. really, it really does kind of take the pressure off because, okay, let me put it this way. If you're in a movie theater and there's one obnoxious asshole who's just really fucking distracting, um, it becomes maddening it's insane but if your entire theater is just fucking going crazy the whole movie you just kind of roll with it you're like okay i I guess this is what we're doing yeah you thank your lucky stars and that and like like i was saying earlier like um for (laughs) me watching a movie with a black audience could would essentially mean sometimes watching a movie with my stepbrothers who are actually black and mostly they would say to me dave shut the fuck up (laughs) so uh (laughs) I, I'm the one who's like talking to the screen in that case. So I, um, but yeah, a- anyway, long story short, dude, uh, there, well, actually I should tell you about the, the other dude, there was a guy in the back. There's a, in the, while watching three billboards, this guy in the back, uh, responds to a question that Sam Rockwell asks the character, <laughs> the character asked this question. He goes, some, I forget exactly what happened in the movie. Oh, oh, they called him a cracker. So the Sam Rockwell character goes, well, isn't Cracker racist? And it's quiet in the movie theater. And there's a fucking dude in the back goes, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking oh, loser. Oh, oh, what a yes, loser, dude. Yes, it is. Oh, it's, my God. And, you know, it's one of those that, things where it's just, could you imagine having to, you know, I sometimes wonder, it's like people have to live with these people, you know? <laughs> And to anybody responding who would to, respond responding to, to media all day, every day, yeah. answering questions, not, not just doing that. It's, it's that kind of can't help yourself mentality that I think a lot of Facebook posters have where they have to know it's a bad idea. Like they have <laughs> to know that what they're about to do is like completely stupid. And they're talking to a screen, but that guy heard that. And he, it's like a dog who barks when, when the mailman comes to my door, I'll look at my dog and I'll be like, don't you fucking do it. And I can see the bark bubbling up in her cheeks. Like just, I can't help it, dad, I'm going to do it. And that guy can't help himself when he hears his cracker racist. He's like, yes, hell yeah. Yep. It is. It sure is. (laughs) Oh, so amazing. Anyway, so we'll kick back. We'll kick back into it. What, uh, it was three, well, I, three billboards. Three billboards. So yeah. So the the final incident. Um, so like I said, my mom my mom is in town, 
and I want to go see Three Billboards because, like, it's a sassy, you know, piss and vinegar kind of chick in the movie. Figure my mom would be into it. It felt like a good movie to take my mom to, right? right. I'm not going to take her to see Shape of Water so that she can watch that chick fuck a fish. Right. So, uh, and uh, some dude is kicking the back of her seat, and mm-hmm. like, and here's the thing, like, uh, I can I can usually deal with a a reasonable amount of seat kicking because I know people are. People are animals and they get confused, you know, <laughs> you know, they don't know where they're at. So I, I probably wouldn't have, um, reacted as quickly and severely as she did, but my mom doesn't put up with anything like that. Like she will not stand for it. So when it ha- as soon as it started, she turned around and like at full, full living room volume says, can you please stop kicking my seat? And <laughs> So everybody around heard it. Amy's like, yoinks. <laughs> that's, that's kind of scary. And I'm thinking, I don't, you know, she's handling this perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, we're beginning it, it to see stopped, where we're beginning after- to see where Dave comes from. If you will. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, oh, can you hear me? You got a little, cr- you got a little crackly there. Oh yeah. Can you hear me now? Oh, there you are. Oh yeah. I got you. Okay, cool. So yeah. So, uh, so, so it must've stopped. And, um, and uh, so the movie goes on. Things are happening on the movie. Everybody's into it. And then my mom says even louder out of the blue, like 20 minutes later, are you kidding me? <laughs> and and uh, at this point, I'm thinking like, all right, this guy's going to keep kicking my mom's seat. So I have to do something about this. And so I turn around and look, look to see the, who the dude is. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's in a around and it's some old dude. You know, I, th- I was hoping it was going to be some fucking kid, but it's some old, he's like a fucking thousand years old mm-hmm. and he's like bumbling around to get comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, we're also, we're watching three billboards and you haven't seen this movie, but it's one of those movies where you're, everybody's fired up about justice. <laughs> and, and so like, I'm thinking this is an amazing opportunity to impress my mother. And Amy, who's who the last time we tuned in, she saw me yelling like a moron in the parking lot before uh, Phantom Thread. So I'm just thinking, here's an amazing opportunity for me to finally do something good in this world, which is which is to, like, deal with the guy kicking my mom's seat. So I start telling I say to my mom and I, I think, how can I solve this? So. I tell my mom to let me switch seats and then like, you know, he's kicking my seat. Right. Mm. So, so then I can be like, you, you kicking my seat, motherfucker, you know, like kick a, kick a man's seat. Right, you know right, I mean? right, 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 right. And, but my mom doesn't want to do it. She wants to deal with it. So she's like, no, we're fine. I'm like, can I like switch seats with me, mom? She's like, no, I'm not going to. I love seats. the idea like, of the Keaton family <laughs> having discussions over who's going to kick the person's ass. It's like, mom. Please let me kick this guy's let ass. Me, just let me switch seats so he's kicking my seat. And she's like, no, I don't want to switch seats. I'm like, I need your seat, mom. Let me sit in your seat. <laughs> and at this point, people are like looking around and they only hear what's happening with us. And so, you know, the one who's singing that song earlier drove old Dixie down. She's like, um, you can sit over here if you want. And Amy's grabbing my arm and she's like, just shut the fuck up. And I'm like, mom, let me sit in your seat, please. <laughs> I want him to kick my seat. Let me be a hero. <laughs> But I'm, I mean, seriously, I've got it all planned out. Like, you know, let's say I switch seats and then he's kicking my seat and then I can just kind of stand up and I'm like, oh, you thought you were kicking her seat. Whose seat are you kicking now? You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. 
I've, I've thought it. I'm I'm three levels deep. I'm thinking now. Try kicking my seat, dude. You know what I'm saying? Right, or go right, big. Right. Yeah. Or go like now. Yeah. Try kicking. Try kicking my seat. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, but none of this shit happened because my mom would not acknowledge me switching seats. She's like ignoring me. And I mean, long story short, the movie fucking ends. And we look at the guy when the credits roll. My mom turns around like, who is this guy? And the fucking dude's asleep. When the movie's over, the dude is sleeping. He's sawing logs. So we didn't even get a confrontation at the end of it. And anyway, anyway. That I, I don't seems even like, to me like a, like a good metaphor just for life in general. It's like we get really worked up about shit. And then when we go to confront this person that we've built up in our oh, head, exactly. they're asleep. Exactly. They're asleep. He's totally asleep. It's like a fucking fable. Couldn't give uh, a fuck less. But yeah, my my summary of three billboards is, and you've probably heard this from other people, is like, if the three billboards, if the if if three billboards rented three billboards to talk about three billboards, it would be. <laughs> do you know the movie? It's about three billboards, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I got a general idea. Okay, so the three billboards would be, is it art? Is it pulp? And the third billboard would be, we don't eat, we don't know either. Better roll the credits. <laughs> because the movie, the movie doesn't commit. And by not committing to whether you're making pulp or you're making art, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't satisfy either group. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but I'll spoil it a little bit. It's a total like uh, no country for old men ending. Mm-hmm. It's a French ending. So no, things, I get what you mean. Where it's you know you're you're headed towards a conflict, and then you know other things happen. Right. So if there the conflict doesn't happen because you you know why it can't happen because we're not dealing with pulp, we're dealing with art. Hmm. We're dealing with we're dealing with like an art film, and that's not the promise it makes about halfway through because mm-hmm. it gets pretty pulpy. Right. You've seen that guy's other stuff. You there's plays. Mm-hmm. You know, like Seven Psychopaths. Uh, what's the um, in, uh, in Bruges? Yeah. In Bruges, yeah. He's pulpy as fuck. Yeah. So I love takes Seven on... Psychopaths and in Bruges too. Yeah. So he's taking on a big idea here, right? Mm-hmm. And when he when he gets into his big important idea, he pulls back, and he says, "We can't resolve it because you know we're talking about important things." And I think, I think that's a that's a problem. I think that it do, that means that people came out of it and they're like, "Man, you're not gonna." You're not going to resolve that? Fuck you. you. Know, because this, then... might, this might actually seem like kind of a weird digression, but that's what I really dig about the movie, like the S. Craig Zoller's movies, Bone Tomahawk and um, oh, exactly. Wall and Cell Block 99, is that they are pulp and their art. And the thing is, is that no matter what you think of their mes- their message, they fucking commit to that message, you know? Ooh. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why I have an alternate list of best pictures. And it's hard to deny that genre movies were snubbed. This year, this year had a lot of genre movies that were better than the best picture nominees. And again, I'm not saying they're the best pictures of the year, but here's a list. This is my list of everything that's better than the best picture nominees. And one of them is Brawl and Cell Block 99. Fucking phenomenal movie. It's better than... Easily better than two thirds of the movie on the best picture list. And it's snubbed because it's a pretty gross, irresponsible movie about prison beatings and heads and heads getting cracked open. Right. But when you but like you just said, when you when you give yourself to when you say I am going to have heads cracked open and film it lovingly, I don't give a shit when you commit to that. 
then the art creeps in in a different way. Well, and it's, and it's, a more, it's more honest. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is that what Brawl does so brilliantly is that the first, like, two... Actually, I would say the first third of the movie, it's very 70s in this way, but the first third is actual character building. You kind of find out who this dude is. There's that so much scene. character building. There's so, so much. Re- it's like realism for a minute. Yeah, almost. yeah. no, like, it, no, re- it is. Re- and then, but but the thing is, is that, and this is how you can have your cake and eat it too. If you want to mix art and pulp, all you have to do is commit. Because once he goes into prison, the realism stops as soon as Udo Kier shows up, and when he decides that he's going to make his descent into hell to find these people. The movie mm-hmm. never turns back for a split second, you know? This, no, you're absolutely right. Something just occurs to me when you said that. It makes me think that is the that is when a movie shows up. Like, it, it's almost like Udo shows up and says to, to you, I'm now going to take Vince Vaughn into a movie. Mm-hmm. And it, into a movie where shit's going to get ridiculous. Yep. Because they spent a lot of effort making it seem like we were dealing with a real person in a real situation. Right. And then, a, and then a movie showed up where there are, uh, there's like, uh, fucking, uh, uh, super spy abortion doctors on the ready. There's uh, a prison that seems to be, there's just nothing feasible about that second prison. It's like the prison at the beginning of the mask of Zorro, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or it's a, or it's a prison in a it's a prison that somebody is watching in a real prison when they're watching a prison movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. It felt like movie. It, it was a movie one level deeper than a movie, and it's like the 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 fantasy of it um, got amazing. I, I just I was into it. And no, it gets I, it gets really good because it does the the work that the beginning of the movie is doing is that you can send you can have a pulp cartoon movie. But if you send a real person into it, that real person, even though he might not be an exact um, avatar for the audience, is in some ways relatable. So Mm -hmm. when he gets his ass beat and then they send him back to a cell, which is covered in broken glass because we're we're in a cartoon. (laughs) Exactly. Because that's what happened. (laughs) And then then they drag him back to get his ass beat a second time, but he's got an ace in the hole because he, you know... Well, I don't know if I would want to spoil it. But anyway, but when he starts beating their ass and he crushes that dude's skull and drags it across the concrete, like Rios the next day said, did you enjoy that movie that you were watching? Because I watched it in my office. And I said, yeah. And she says, I could tell because from the office I was going, oh, shit. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> like, you really it's seem to enjoy great. that. What's great is they don't. He doesn't even pretend like those looked like real faces. It, there was they look like ballistic dummies, and he yeah. gives you a full couple extra seconds to indulge in looking at that and saying, "That does not look like Vince Vaughn. Let alone, that doesn't look like a human being, let alone Vince Vaughn." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But be, because he physically built a head and destroyed it for us, it does more work than a CGI moment. Oh, it's so much fun! It's so much it's fun, so, and it looks it, it looks so ridiculous, but it's so much fun, and it looks. 85 times better than CGI. Right, because it's there. It's physically in the room with them. Right. But th- but the rest of my genre snubs. I think Split was snubbed. I can't believe that guy didn't Split get Split was nom- fucking fantastic. Yeah. How did that guy not get nominated for Best Actor? I don't understand. He did. He played characters within characters that I'd, I've never seen somebody do in a movie before. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the M. Night uh, stink is still on it, you know. But still, Split got snubbed. I would say... Uh, 
I don't know if Blade Runner 2049 got snubbed as far as a Best Picture nomination, but I will say it's better than a lot of the Best Picture nominations. Yeah. Well, to I me, think it's, it's one of those things, to me, um, Blade Runner 2049 is surface level everything that I would want in a movie. From right. the sets to the music to the, exactly. you know, everything. But, like, it somehow it, it gets caught because I think uh, Denise Villeneuve, what, I think he's probably one of the worst filmmakers out there right now in terms oh, of no. in terms of he's he, whoever his cinematographer is, is is brilliant but in terms of translating his bullshit incredibly surface level allegorical scripts onto film it's just so it just doesn't land for me you know there's like no subtlety everything is out on the surface and, yeah uh, okay. and I, I just, so you, you can you can see the strings you can see the metaphor strings i yeah. i I'm with you, but I, I feel like in the back of that, what you just said, Sicario is fluttering around. I love that movie, and I, I know you. I know Sicario. you hate. It. I know you hate it. I watched it the other night, and um, I'm a sucker for movies that look that good, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, it That's looks. Tough. So, That's what's so tough it, is that his movies looks genuinely so look amazing. Oh, yeah, it looks so good. Yeah. Um, but but the rest of the list, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, that was great! I, I almost forgot I, that existed. I know because they released it too soon, and it was a Netflix movie. That's what that's a good that's a good example of a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put Raw on there, and I would put It Comes at Night, even though I know that pissed a lot of people off because they didn't get the monster they wanted. I still think it's better than most of the movies on the Best Picture list, and I think it was ignored because it's a genre movie. I always, whenever people would post about it comes at night with it with the poster on Facebook, I was yeah. always tempted to respond like, "Oh, they made a movie about your mom." <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's one of those movies. It's like the new Babadook or the new It Follows. All I got to do is post a, about it, and somebody will swoop in and say, "Oh, that movie fucking sucked, dude." Really? It's. Yeah, it's one of those movies that anytime you do horror where you dab you dabble in art house horror, they come out of the woodwork to yell at you. Yeah. Like some people hate hate art art house horror. I mean Gabino, I was talking to you, Gabino. <laughs> that dude hates art house horror. And I understand where he's coming from. And I love the guy. You know, you know but, what else uh, Gabino hates? I, I love love me some art house horror. What? What does he hate? Carbs. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, you know, he's gonna fucking crush us and put us in a milk smoothie yeah. and drink us and up. Well, at least we'll both exist in both of his arms and we can still talk it's to each other. It's funny that you mentioned that because I remember there was one bizarro con where we were all hanging out drinking beers, and then Gabino shows up to the little circle that we're talking in, and he's got a giant glass of milk. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? He's like, hey, gotta get that, gotta go mad, bro. Gotta get that protein. And no, I was he's... like, this dude is committed. Clockwork Orange, Barrio Noir edition. <laughs> Little lashes of the ultraviolence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so what, what was I saying? Oh, the fucking three billboards. I, that's about all I have to say about that. But, I mean, the art, the struggle between art and pulp is um, is interesting enough. And there's some fucking feel-good moments. Feel good like in like, like what the In Bruges guy does best, which is feel-bad moments. I mean, and you do have moments of you get to see a character arc – and I haven't seen a character arc that surprised me in a while. Mm-hmm. There's a character that is right in my sweet spot of things I hate. He's a cop. He's a piece of shit. He's a racist. So I'm like, I, here's a racist piece of shit cop. I hate this guy so much. And 
it's kind of like the the movie Naked, which opens with a guy oh, raping, raping somebody. somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like can you come back from that? I would I would argue that Three Billboards makes that guy redeemable, and that's part of the reason people there was a backlash against it a bit. But um, if you can do that in a movie, if you can make me follow a character arc like that, um, I don't feel like I've wasted my time. So that's why I put it above those other movies. There were moments in that that are so good that they deserved a better movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you, when you were mentioning your uh, your list of uh, kind of genre movies that got snubbed. And then mm-hmm. we're also talking about like feel-good versus feel-bad movies. Um, did, did you watch Bad Day for the Cut? No, you told me to watch that. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so that's a one that's one where I won't spoil the ending, but when it ends, it it definitely earns its feel bad ending, but I realized I don't really like feeling bad when movies are over. So, <laughs> it's the same thing with books. When people have a book and they say this thing will book and destroy you or, you know, I just right, watched this right. movie, I've been crying for 3 days. That to me that pushes me away. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to fucking watch that. You know, like, oh, especially if it's exactly got like an saying. animal dying or something like people, oh, yeah, people yeah, are like, yeah. you got to watch white God. Cause it just wrecked me for days. I'm like, I don't, I know that the, that the dog is going to fucking die. I know that dog is going to die. Yeah. And I can't do it. I don't, I, I'm just, I'm good with being wrecked. Um, if it earns it, but I just I don't like feeling bad at the end of a movie. I know no, it sounds I like some 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 you know pussy shit, but I just <laughs> don't like I don't like endings where where things turn out poorly for everybody. That's the thing. Like maybe it'll in a in ten years people can look back and say well, that was an important movie because of how they had that downer ending. And I remember being sort of pissed at Get Out because it ended and you thought to yourself, oh my god a cop is going to kill him and mistake him for being the aggressor. Cause he's standing over a, a strangled and shot white woman, you know, right. and you're thinking you can't help, but think that's a better ending. That's a, that's a fucking, that's a ballsy ending. But then like I was saying to somebody else, I didn't, I don't want that. Like, I don't yeah, want to walk out. Yeah. I don't want us to do, don't kill that guy. The, the movie, the movie like was, shit. the movie was so fun up to that point. You know, yeah. like when he's getting his revenge and he fucking impales that dude with the stag head or whatever. And then to have that be the ending, when that actually started happening, I went, I mean, it totally got me because I, I too thought that that was going to be the ending. But I kind of groaned. I was like, don't, come on, man. Don't, don't I know. do it. Dude, don't do it. Don't do I think it. I think that just by making us think it, um, it, it, was, enough. Yeah, it, it was enough work. on which is, I mean, that's the ending of the original Night of the Living Dead is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we look back at that and say that was brilliant. I don't know if I want to. I'm too old now that to, to I don't want to look back and say anything was brilliant when I'm 70. I, I guess I at this point, I'm too. I don't I don't want to feel bad. Like you said, at the end of a movie, I didn't want that. <laughs> it, I didn't sounds, want that it, sound, it sounds so bad to say, dude. But at the same time, <laughs> like the hero can even die. But I just don't want to feel Right. At the end of a movie. I mean, yeah. Spoiler alert. Vince Vaughn is killed in a horrific fashion at the end of cell block 99, but it's dope, but that's a, but it's a feel good ending. I was like, when that was over, I was, I was ready to run up the fucking steps at the art museum in Philadelphia. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. How is, how is that a feel good ending? Every, they fucking murdered him. I mean, it had to happen that way though. You you knew it was going to happen and they set it up so that he knew as well. But he still went in there, and they, 
that there's that great line, which seriously, like, turn this off if you haven't seen the movie, but where they're like, what are you doing in there? He's like, I'm executing him. And he, like, stomps that dude's head off into the shitter. And it's just like, oh, he got his last little thing in before. And then, you know, when Don Johnson comes in, what the fuck else is he going to do? There's no way to get out of that. So it, feel, it, it felt earned. Sure. And he's not even a character. Don Johnson is, like you said, he's either the devil, I like your interpretation there, or he's the he's a movie. Right. A movie came in and said, this is how we end. Right. This is how we end a movie. Right. Right. I mean, the, the fucking the, the abuse to heads in that movie is so amazing. It's like it, it's it's like he said, I, I, my, I have a thesis here. And my thesis is I'm going to show drastic damage to skulls. <laughs> well, did you, did you like hear it. the name? Did you hear the name of his next movie? <laughs> what? It's, it's I'm, I swear to God, it's it's his next movie has Mel Gibson and it's called dr, it's called Dragged Across Concrete. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god! If if Cell Block ninety nine rented three billboards, they would say "Ow, my head." That would be the <laughs> billboards. That would be the three billboards of Cell Block ninety nine. Oh yeah, but no, I agree. I feel like um, I mean everybody knows that the Oscars are fucking bullshit. But if we're actually looking at the movies that do the good things that we like in movies, I mean, I think Brawl is probably my favorite one. Actually, no, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Was my favorite. And then Brawl and Cell Block 99 after that. Right. I was just thinking, I was trying to think if I had, if I, if I bought three billboards for you, mm-hmm. like, like if I, these are my Dave Osborne three billboards, mm-hmm. they would, they would say spicy pep. The second billboard would say mushroom field guides wanted. <laughs> and the third one would say, feel my arm, bro. <laughs> Oh, okay. That, all right. Fair enough. Got, all right. Fair enough. No, right. it's fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if... Not. I, I mean, we were talking about weird, weird lifts earlier. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're doing a workout that involves mushrooms and listening to uh, experimental music. Mm-hmm. You that might be your arms might end up weird. Like maybe they won't look like normal arms. Maybe, maybe that might be my thing. If they're all like, "Hey, here comes uh, weird arms." I mean, it's, it's not a normal lift. Like my, go ahead. If I'm, I'm lifting to, like I said, I'm lifting to Billy Squire and the, a new monster, new to me, monster magnet CD. Mm -hmm. Like that's a weird lift. Well, I've switched to Ramstein. I I do Ramstein and system of a down now. So (laughs) I'm just like, I, I, I want that dude's arms, man. I want those big old guns. Dude, the, the worst the worst Ramstein moment. I when I was working at a bookstore, we all got to rotate pick picking what CD we would put in when we um, opened the store, mm-hmm. uh, so that somebody always didn't get to dominate the CD. And uh, I just got Ramstein, and I thought everybody wants to hear Ramstein because it's so <laughs> good. It's so good. It is right. I just seen Lost Highway like everyone else, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm th- I sought him out. I'm like I got to see it. All right, you know, I got to get this CD and it wasn't easy to find because I don't know if you remember they had two album covers because the first one was them greased up and flexing. Really? And yeah, and then they had to come out with one with a big flower on it to somehow that was oh, less. Right, 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 right. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, gi- a giant flower was less. And I'm, if, if I'm if I'm not <laughs> mistaken, the there was a, a medium reached where there was another one released with them both oiled and greased up and the flower. <laughs> Well, I've definitely got them oiled and greased up. 
And I took that in there and I thought, everybody's going to like Ramstein. <laughs> and I got about two songs into it. And uh, my one friend, Jan, was like, is this what is this like a, a what? Oh, she she called them nine inch Nazis. Is, is, it, <laughs> is, this, nine, is this nine inch Nazis? And I'm like, wait, no, no, this is really good. Wait till no. they wait till they wait till they start just making guttural noises to techno that sounds weirdly five years dated never mind yeah never never mind and no, i like I sheepishly that, took it out i think ramstein is one of the best new metal bands of all time and i knew i loved them when i was like 12 or 13 uh me and my buddies were on um it wasn't you it wouldn't have been youtube we were watching oh yeah we had to download videos from kazaa i don't know if you remember that but uh we downloaded a bunch of ramstein videos and i was all excited to show them and uh i showed this it was a live concert video and um, at one point in the song, the singer goes over to the keyboard player, who's kind of like the bitch of the group, right? And right. he, like the keyboard player, is bent over the keyboards, and the singer pulls out, whips out a, like a fake dick out of his pants, and starts beating it against the keyboard player's buns, and then he just like <laughs> just starts busting this huge fake load over the guy's back, and oh, no. all my friends are like, "This shit is gay," and. Um, but I, I decided that I loved it at that point. I was like, this is actually awesome. But, oh, uh, shit. Is that your cue? Do you got to go? No, that was the, the mailman who was putting my DVD in the between my two doors so that it smashes it and bends the corner. Oh, great. Uh, at least he r- rings the doorbell to tell me that there's a new DVD that he's fucked up. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Well, hey, I think that'll actually probably wrap it up for episode two. Um, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, I think we squeezed in a lot of stuff there. We've. Um, I like the freeform nature of the podcast. Well, we didn't. Wait a minute. We didn't. I didn't get to script doctor anything. Oh, oh, please, yeah. Let's have a. Script, if I let's have a the, script corner. The DOA script doctor. I'm going to. Um, what should I fix? Uh, well, well, I guess I should try to fix whatever we talked about. If I was to change anything in Cell Block Ninety Nine. Um, and this, you know, we we like this movie, so this is splitting hairs here. I think that that movie opens with him literally beating up a car. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fucking rad. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Right up there with like in Gummo when that guy fights a chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's great about it is, um, I know there's a, they're probably maybe softened that car a little bit, but I I felt like I believed that Vince Vaughn was beating up a car for real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if at the end of that movie, if there could have been a moment where he used his car beating abilities, where he had to maybe punch through something, punch through a wall, punch through a prison cot. I mean, we, we, he's ungodly strong anyway. He's a, so that, I mean, I guess that is in there, but like we saw him ripping out the headlight, which made me think he's going to rip out an eye later. We saw him punching through the fucking car, which made me think he's going to, he's going to punch through something later. And if they just would have had him do that to a human body, I think that that would have kicked it into the stratosphere for me. And And that's, and that's, that's why you're the script doctor, because you are always, you're thinking about like things about like foreshadowing me. I'm like a, I'm like a puppy, dude. I live, (laughs) I live in the moment of these movies. And when he's beating up the car, I'm like, Oh, he is beating up that car. And then when he stops, I'm like, well, he's not beating up a car anymore. So, that's why you're the script feel, doctor, dude. That's why I'm the. I'm, I'm here to make the hard choices 
and whether we're going to save that limb or not. Let's talk about Blade Runner for a quick second. Okay. Blade Runner 2049. They bring back Edward Olmos, right? Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you, you know, you remember him from the first movie? He I was did, yeah. very minor character, and he's, you know, he's the origami guy. But here they bring Too him bad back. She and they... dies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's supposed um, to be like Chinese or something, so they have this like. He has this weird accent where he's like a Mexican yeah. dude pretending to be Chinese or I don't know. Exactly. He's a, he's a ratty little toady in the mm-hmm. first movie. But here they bring him back with the fucking reverence of a general. You this know, like elder, with... elder statesman sweater vest kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that was fucking dumb. But why do you do that? Why do you bring back him like like you said, like an elder statesman? Why didn't they bring back James Hong who – I don't know if you remember him. He was the guy – he's like, I make eyes. I'm I, a, I'm, the I'm, eye maker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you why, dude. I tell you why this is a fucking no-brainer, and this is why I'm the script doctor. He's alive, first of all. And Edward James almost is he alive? No one knows for sure, right? Right. And here you got James Hong, who's alive. He's the guy who says he's the guy who makes eyes. And you have, you know, you have a, a villain who is dealing with an eye situation. He's dealing mm. with synthet- dealing with a synthetic eye situation. Wow. Like, he is. De- they, why do you not roll out the Hong when you, when you've got a guy, you've got fucking Jared Leto dealing with artificial eyes. You've got the guy in the other movie who's like, I make eyes, and that's the guy the audience wants to see. If you roll him out, the callback means the audience would have fucking they would have had a moment of transcendence there and say he's back and he's back for a reason, not just to pretend like he was anything important in the first movie, not just as lip and he's not, and he's not cold anymore. Yes, yes. He could have he could have been in he could have been in a, a fucking room. Yeah, he, well, he could have been in like some swim trunks like, "Oh, this is nice." Dude, I'm telling you. I'm te- you you've cracked it too, dude. Yeah. In swim trunks and he's back and he's he made his eyes. Yeah. He made it, he made his eyes. You know, and I also want to say and I hope this doesn't get me into any trouble, so everything that I know, which I do know for a fact, uh, but I'm going to say alleged, um Jared Leto dodged me too, like Neo in the Matrix, my friend. Like just, just we like me and okay. Allegedly, how do I put this so that I like if from some off chance that they hear this, I don't get sued. But when the Me Too shit was going down, I was like, oh, Leto's next. Like he's next. He's definitely next. Just from things that I've heard. You know, well, he's he, got the musician loophole. Musicians are. Oh, everybody's you're right. I forgot about that. He was in that dumbass have, band. They, yeah. If anybody pretends like musicians exist for five seconds, they put it in their fucking biographies. They've confessed to more heinous crimes than Louis C.K. could even dream of. Right. But they've got a they got a loophole because they're musicians, and they assume they're going to shove like dead sharks up women's vaginas. You know, it's apparently it's that they've got the loophole, but that's it's yeah, so it was like you know, we had like three 12 year olds, but they were a big 12, you know, like it's <laughs> like, wait, what? And then, what and then over here, oh. Louis C.K.'s like, oh, well, sometimes I just like to jack off in front of people, and people are like, monster, monster. If Louis C.K. ever picked up a guitar, he would be exempt. That's, that's all, true. that's all I'm saying. That's true. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> is that all? Is that all the script doctor and you want? I mean, I've got. I can script doctor them all. I just, did you see the ritual? 
no, but I've heard it's good. And I've, I've seen people on Facebook making the rounds to make sure to kiss the guy's ass who wrote the book because oh, everybody's yeah. just, everybody's Shots. just drooling for that stuff. The fucking movie check shots yeah. fired. Yep. No, well, I, I yeah, but it's, it's true though. Great. You can just see it. It's like, wow, just saw the ritual. Great job, Adam Neville, my friend who's been my friend forever. I really enjoyed it. Please, please pay attention to me. I just came out with a book from um, Busted Eyeball Press, and it's called it's called Mammoth Stomp, and it's about a mammoth that is also a gay fucking trans. I don't know. Anyway, you got. I feel you. Dude, I, lost, I, feel, I lost it. I lost the train with the mammoth thing, but you know. I feel you. But the the ritual. This is a very minor script, Doctor. It's very minor. The other ones, I think, are pretty. I think the Blade Runner script doctoring would have made that movie. But for the ritual, I, it's this is gonna, you're going to be like, how is that not a thing? In the ritual, they you know that these guys go hiking, right? Sure. So you have, um, and they come across. This is not too big of a spoiler. They come across some sort of ancient evil and there's some sort of uh, ritual being performed. Is it safe to say mm-hmm. without ruining too much? Yeah. 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 I, I think that okay. makes sense. Okay. So follow me on this dude. Follow me on this. Why didn't they just have them in that movie? Make this a trip that they take every year because it's their ritual. Um, you see what I'm fucking saying, dude? You see what I'm saying? That would be it's really the, good, yeah. It's a double meaning. It's the, They come across a ritual, but also it's the ritual. Send me my fucking movie check. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. Come on. Like, are we, yeah. me, I'm gonna, I could fix any movie you offer, Hollywood. Are you listening? <laughs> any, any of them. Any of them. Well, actually, let's do one more then. Let's do... Oh, no. All right, let's script doctor. Yeah, we'll see if you can. I've got, fucking... to, I'm, I, I'm, I've got the rubber gloves on. I'll try. I don't know if I can save this patient. What do you got? All right, so. Um, all right, hold on. Let me think. What all have you talked about? Did uh, Did you script doctor three billboards? I don't three think billboards. Did. I mean, essentially, I would my script doctoring would be commit to art or pulp. I don't know. Okay. Um, or but I was. You know, I, can can somebody perform surgery while someone's kicking their seat? Yeah, I, that's true. Oh, that's true. What about Dunkirk? To fix Dunkirk, I think this is fucking. This is a hazard to say. I think Dunkirk did exactly what it set out to do. Mm, yeah, and sometimes think, that thing is just not that good. I think that if you you it it isn't that movie anymore if you add characterization. So it is as engaging as you can be without characters Mm -hmm. so i would i can't extend its life (laughs) the doctor is telling you that you have to live every day to its fullest dunkirk but that's (laughs) i don't know if i can do anything for you it's like the the doctor just holds up the x the dunkirk x-rays and goes you're 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 here's what you're doing, Dunkirk. You're you've lived as long as you can without a heart. So, <laughs> so I, I think that might be a good spot to stop. That's good. Yeah, that's great. All right, I'll press stop right there.